Thank you for listening to the Rivers Church podcast with Pastor Andre and the Rivers team. Be sure to subscribe for a weekly dose of encouragement and inspiration to help your daily life. We pray that this message will help in whatever season of life you might be in. Well, as we begin this morning, I want to just mention to you a book that I read a number of years ago uh, that really had a significant impact on my life. And it's a book called The Heavenly Man. And it tells the story of a Chinese Christian man who was known as Brother Yun. And he was born in China in 1958. His mother had previously believed in Jesus when some missionaries had come to China to share the gospel with her. But once the communist government took over, the missionaries were all expelled from China. Uh, The Bibles were banned and uh, Christianity was outlawed. And as a result of that, Well, her faith eventually died. But as a young man, Brother Yun decided that he desperately wanted to get hold of a Bible. And so he began to fast and pray. And for a hundred consecutive days, he ate nothing except a small bowl of steamed rice every day. And then one day, randomly, there was a knock at the door. Two strangers were there, and they handed him a Bible. And Brother Yun began to devour the Word of God. He, at the time, couldn't even read much, but he pretty much taught himself to read through the Scriptures. And uh, he painstakingly worked his way through the entire Bible. And then he began to memorize a chapter every single day. And later on, he became a preacher, a minister, and he began to preach the gospel in communist China Uh, in the underground church, even though it was against the law to do so at the time. Uh, Brother Yun was arrested on a number of occasions. He was sent to prison three consecutive or three successive times. He was also uh, imprisoned for a total of seven years. And uh, he was, during this time, repeatedly beaten. They would torture him with electric batons. Uh, He was kicked. He was trampled upon. Uh, Often the soldiers would um, insert needles underneath his fingernails uh, as as part of his torture. Uh, He was also abused by the other prisoners. On on one particular occasion, he was uh, caught by the security police when he was preaching, and they put him in a freezing cold prison cell. Uh, The temperature was well below zero, and then they took away his coat in the hope that he would freeze to death. But as it turned out, in that prison cell, someone had left an old drum in the cell there. And and what Brother Yun did with his handcuffs on, he began to beat down on this old drum. And out loud, he began to sing the words of Psalm 150. And he later wrote this. He said, the more I sang, the more I was filled with joy. I stood up and I praised the Lord. And gradually my frozen hands and feet regained feeling, and I wasn't cold anymore. You know, here was a man who had incredible joy in spite of the severely adverse circumstances that he faced. And and there in that prison cell, God restored his joy, even though there was nothing outwardly to be joyful about. And I want to share a message with you today entitled, Restoring Our Joy in spite of circumstances. Restoring our joy in spite of circumstances. Now, I want us to read a passage uh, from the book of Habakkuk in the Old Testament, a fairly well-known passage. Many of you would know that Habakkuk was a prophet 
in the Old Testament whom God used to speak into the nation of Israel shortly before they went to uh, exile in Babylon. And uh, at the time that Habakkuk spoke, the Israelites had deserted God. And how many of you would know, whenever you desert God, your life will never get better. It will always get worse and worse and worse. And as a result of that, there was a moral crisis in the land. There was an economic crisis. And there was also a crisis of faith. And we read this passage in Habakkuk 3 from verse 17. And he says, even though the fig trees have no blossoms and there are no grapes on the vines, even though the olive crop fails and the fields lie empty and barren, even though the flocks die in the fields and the cattle barns are empty, yet, he says, yet I will rejoice in the Lord. I will be joyful in the God of my salvation. The sovereign Lord is my strength. He makes me as sure-footed as a deer, able to tread upon the heights. Now, you might be sitting here today thinking, well, that's wonderful for him, except that doesn't really apply to me. Because you say, well, I, I haven't got fig trees in my garden. Uh, I haven't got grapevines. I don't have olive crops. I don't have fields where cattle are you know, roaming around. But, but I, I want to read to you that same passage of Scripture again, but this time from the South African version of the Bible, uh, if there were such a thing. And Habakkuk 3.17 goes like this. Even though there's the daily threat of crime and corruption is at an all-time high, even though interest rates have gone up again and inflation is crippling the economy, even though ESCOM has plunged us into darkness and the future prospects are seemingly poor, yet, yet I will rejoice in the Lord. I will be joyful in the God of my salvation. You know, I think it's fair to say that as a nation, we've largely lost our joy. And I think so much has happened over the past few years, and, and there's so much today that is happening around us and to us that we've become discouraged. But you know what I love is that the Bible is always relevant. No matter who you are, no matter where you live, no matter what time in history you find yourself, the Bible is always relevant. And throughout the ages, God's people have faced things that have had the potential to rob them of their joy. It was true in Habakkuk's day, and it is true in our day. And if I can remind you today that the devil would love nothing more than to steal your joy from you. You know, he doesn't necessarily need you to get down on your knees and bow down before him. If he can just steal your joy, then he would have accomplished his purpose. And Remember, Jesus said of him in John 10.10 10, that the thief comes to steal and kill and destroy. And if the devil can steal your joy from you, well, then he can make you miserable. And if he can make you miserable, then he can kill the dreams and the desires that God has put on the inside of you. And if he can do that, then he may well rob you of the wonderful future that God has for you. How many of you would agree that many Christians are saved and yet completely miserable. Isn't that true? How many of you know someone like that? How many of you are sitting next to someone like that? <laughs> I see those hands going up. You know, I think many Christians love Jesus and would outwardly profess that, but yet they are always grumpy. You know, you just ask our car park team, they will tell you. 
I mean, they see the good, the bad, and the ugly of church life. Every single weekend on all our campuses, there's always some people who come there and they are, you know, swearing at our volunteers and using hand signals to indicate all sort of things. And, and then they come into the services, not this service, I need the next one. And, and they've got their hands lifted. Ah, oh, I love you, Jesus. Don't let the enemy steal the joy from your life. Amen. Warren Wearsby in his commentary on the Bible says this. He says, if Habakkuk looked ahead, he saw a nation heading for destruction and that frightened him. When he looked within, he saw himself trembling with fear. And when he looked around, he saw everything in the economy about to fall apart. But when he looked up by faith, he saw God and all his fears vanished. So let's have a look at a couple of things today to help restore our joy in spite of circumstances. Firstly, we see this, is that joy and happiness are not the same. Joy and happiness are not the same. Although they certainly have some similarities, they are not the same thing because happiness is essentially based upon happenings. It's determined by the things that happen around us and the things that happen to us. And, and to be happy, it largely requires that events work out in our favor. Isn't that true? So, for example, if you go into the office tomorrow and your boss calls you in and he or she says, you know what, we, we, we've noticed your, uh, your good attitude, the way you work, we've got plans for you, and uh, we want to give you a promotion and we're going to double your salary. You know, how many of you would say, well, praise God. Today is a happy day. I'm happy. Why? Because things have gone favorably for me. Events have worked out in my favor. Or, you know, on a Saturday, if, you're, if your football team wins, you know, then you say, I'm happy. And, and, you know, we see it every weekend in church. You see people coming in on a Sunday. They've got their, their team's football shirt on, and they, they're walking with their chest a little bit prouder. And, and during praise and worship, their hands are lifted higher and higher. Why? Because... Because you are feeling happy because your team won. And, and all these things that happen to us can bring a measure of happiness because they, they, affect, they affect our emotions positively, but they can't bring lasting joy because none of these things are guaranteed. So you may go into work tomorrow and you may get called into the office, but the outcome may be vastly different. You may be told that your services are no longer required at your company. Or if you're like me, you know, my team most weeks, they don't win. And so I can't rely on that to bring joy into my life uh, because it is never a guaranteed scenario. You know, if you had to ask most people, and maybe you can relate to this as well, what is it that you want from life? What's the thing that most people will say? I just want to be happy. Unless, of course, you're a supermodel, they just want world peace. But, but, but for the rest of us mere mortals, you know, we, we, we just want to be happy. But, you know, by just wanting to be happy, what you are actually wanting is something that is impossible to achieve. Because for you and I to just be happy, it requires that events and circumstances and things around us always go in our favor. And I don't know what planet it is that you live on, but the planet that I live on, things definitely don't work out that way. Uh, every day there will be things that will not go our way. So, so happiness is based on external sources 
uh, or circumstances, but joy is different to that. Joy is produced internally. Joy is not produced by things always going your way. Joy is not produced by how you feel or you don't feel or circumstances around you. Uh, joy is different to that. You see, happiness is man-made. Happiness, you can manufacture it to some degree, uh, but joy is not man-made. In fact, joy comes only from God, and it is dispensed to us through the person of the Holy Spirit. Now, in Galatians 5.22, the Bible says that the Holy Spirit produces this kind of fruit in our lives. Love, joy. Everyone say joy. And then it lists all the other fruits of the Spirit, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. And I think it's interesting that joy is listed second only to love. And I think all those fruit that come after joy are generally only present in our lives when we have joy. And so none of us can produce or manufacture joy without the Holy Spirit, but we can certainly nurture it. We can certainly do our best to make sure we don't lose it, but none of us can actually produce it. And so, you know, logic will tell you that if it's the Holy Spirit who produces joy in us, then the closer we draw to the Holy Spirit, the more room we give Him in our lives, the more we obey Him and the more we allow Him to lead us, the greater the levels of joy we will begin to experience. But the opposite then is also true. If you largely ignore the Holy Spirit, if you insist on doing things your way, if, 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 if we choose not to be led by the Holy Spirit, then the joy levels in our life will also begin to decrease because we can't have what the Holy Spirit gives without first having the Holy Spirit himself. Isn't that right? We can't have the gifts of the Spirit without having the person of the Spirit. You know, whenever I travel abroad or that, one of the things that I always like to do is to bring gifts back for my children. And I've got four kids, so that's a lot of gifts to bring back. And, and, but, but, but there's always this expectation from them that I will bring them something back when I've been away. And uh, it would be like my kids saying to me, Dad, we want the gifts you've bought for us, but can you just not come home, please? And I'll be like, excuse me? It doesn't work like that. You see, you first have to receive me back warmly in order to receive the gifts that I've got for you. And it's the same with the Holy Spirit. We can't have the gifts He produces in us without first making room for Him in our lives. Amen. You can write this down if you're taking notes. Joy is God's gift to believers for us to enjoy Him and enjoy the work He's called us to. I'll say that again. Joy is God's gift to believers for us to enjoy Him and to enjoy the work He's called us to. You know, serving the Lord is not always going to be easy. I'm sure you figured that out by now. It requires endurance, perseverance. You're generally going to be stretched and out of your comfort zone. And if we don't have this deep-rooted joy on the inside of us, eventually we will give up serving the Lord out of pure frustration. Uh, Billy Graham used to say that we will never be free from discouragement and despondency until we know and walk with the very fountainhead of joy. The ability to rejoice in any situation is a sign of spiritual maturity. 
no matter what the climate is, what the troubles are, what the difficulties are, there is joy for the child of God because joy is produced supernaturally by the Holy Spirit in us. Can you say amen to that? Secondly is this, is that every day we can choose joy. We can't manufacture joy, but every day we can choose to be joyful. You know, in verse 18 of, of, of Habakkuk 3, after the prophet had listed all those things that were going wrong, he says, yet I will rejoice in the Lord. I will be joyful in the God of my salvation. You know, a couple of weeks ago, I had the privilege of uh, traveling with some of our team to a conference in Dallas in America, and it was wonderful to be able to travel again uh, the first time since before COVID. And uh, we went to a number of churches, went to an amazing conference, just got some fuel in the tank for the rest of the year. And uh, on the one particular Saturday we were there, we went to a church service. They had a four o'clock service in the afternoon. And I mean, it, it was an amazing service, much like this. There was fantastic worship, wonderful ministry. And, you know, it was one of those services where you walk out and, you know, your joy levels are high. And you just, man, you feel like I can do anything for the Lord at the moment. And it was still, you know, early in the evening. And so we thought, you know, we'll go to, uh, there was a mall nearby. We'll go there. We'll have a bit of a look around and we'll grab something to eat. And uh, I was the designated driver on the trip. Now, if you've ever driven in America, you'll know it's very stressful because they drive on the wrong side of the road. And all the cars are left-hand drive, so you're sitting in the wrong side of the car. And I mean, listen, you have to concentrate intensely for the entire time. Anyway... You know, I drove pretty well and uh, got us to the, this parking lot where, where, where the mall was. And uh, I was about to drive in for a parking. And just in front of us, there was a, a lady who was walking with a child, seemed to be about maybe five years old. And this child let go of the parent's hand and, 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 and ran across this busy parking area. But, uh, you know, no problem. I, I saw all this happening and I put my foot on the brake and, and I waited and the child ran across, and the mom was a bit frazzled, and she yanked the child's hand. And then we proceeded to go into our parking bay. Then all of a sudden, out of nowhere, this guy appears. And I don't know if he was the, the father of the child or the husband or the partner of this woman, but all of a sudden, he starts shouting at us at the top of his voice, swearing at us, calling us things I have never been called in my life. I mean, this guy used four-letter words as creatively as I've ever heard anyone before. And I thought he was going to attack us. They're standing outside the window. You this and you that. Now, bear in mind, there's four of us in the vehicle. And we're all thinking, who's this oak? Who does he think he is? You know, we've just come out of a church service. We're full of the joy and the strength of the Lord. And, and we thought, well, we can take him on. There's four of us. We're not scared. And then one of the guys in the back says, maybe he's got a gun. Because in America, they walk around with guns and big hunting knives. And so we thought, okay, maybe, maybe we need to just exercise wisdom here. And so we thought, okay, we won't get out the car. So I just kind of put my foot on the accelerator and we, we went and found a parking over there. I thought the guy was going to smash our window open and he was still ranting and raving there. Anyway, we found a different parking place but you know, as we just gathered ourselves again, I thought, wow, there was a guy who did not wake up with joy this morning. 
You know, I don't know what was happening in his life. I don't know if he had a bad day. I don't know if he had a bad life. But that man did not wake up on that Saturday morning and choose joy. You know, there's that wonderful verse in Scripture, Psalm 118, verse 24. The writer says, this is the day the Lord has made. We will rejoice and be glad in it. You know, I've made it a habit to pray this for my life every single day in my quiet time. I like to get up early in the morning before anyone else is up to read my Bible and to pray. And I've made a habit of praying this. This is the day the Lord has made. I, I personally will rejoice and I will be glad in it because you know what? I've, I have to recognize that on any given day, not everything is going to go my way. You know, I plan my day as best as I can, but, but I know not everything is going to go according to plan. And I have to be honest, I don't necessarily wake up happy and joyful every morning. I don't know what you are like, but I, I don't wake up that way. You know, you might think, ah, oh, yeah, it's, you know, it's all the same for you pastors. You know, you wake up in the morning and, 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 and Jesus is sitting on the edge of your bed there and, and, and the choirs of heaven are, you know, singing there and, and, and Snow White and Bambi are frolicking through your room like, <laughs> and, you know, it's, it's, it's wonderful for you. You don't know what it's like in the real world. Listen, it doesn't work like that. Most mornings, I don't wake up with the joy of the Lord filling my heart. When my alarm clock goes off, I have to drag myself out of bed. I stumble through to the kitchen, make coffee and have a few sips, and, and only then can I begin to choose to be joyful each day. But you know what? Every single day will have a measure of trouble. Every single day, there will be problems of some sort that we have to navigate. You have to make a decision at the start of every single day. This is the day that the Lord has made. Today, I will be joyful, and I will be glad in it. There's a wonderful book called uh, How to Survive the Loss of a Love. And in it, Dr. Melba Colgrove says that joy is the feeling of grinning on the inside. In other words, everything around you might, may be falling apart, but in spite of that, you can have joy in the midst of your circumstances. In Philippians 4.4, Paul says, Rejoice in the Lord always. I will say it again. Rejoice. Now, you might think, oh, when Paul said that, he was probably caught up to the third heaven again. No, he wasn't. Paul was in prison. He was in a filthy Roman dungeon. He'd been beaten again. He was sickly, he was cold, many of his friends had deserted him, but he makes this decision that even though there is nothing outwardly to be joyful about, I will rejoice. And, and it's interesting, he says, again, I say rejoice. Now, I don't think he said that for our benefit, I think he said it for his own benefit, because he had to make a decision again and again that every single day I will choose joy today, tomorrow, the next day. Perhaps he was reminded of Nehemiah's words in Nehemiah 8.10. Don't be dejected and sad, for the joy of the Lord is your strength. You know, joy will always produce a supernatural strength in our lives. Joy will sustain you when you feel like giving up, when the outward pressure seems too much, when you feel like you can't go on anymore. The joy of the Lord on the inside of you will give you supernatural strength to continue can you say amen to that? Thirdly is this, is that joy is lost through sin, but regained through repentance. Joy is lost through sin, 
but regain through repentance. You know, the quickest way to lose the joy from your life is to allow sin into your life. You know, perhaps I can, you know, illustrate it to you like this. If you imagine being in your kitchen at home and you put a pot of water on the stove to boil, uh, if you leave the lid off and you, and you allow that thing to boil, eventually uh, the water will begin to evaporate. Isn't that right? And if you keep that thing boiling for an hour or two or maybe longer, eventually, little by little, all the water will evaporate from that pot. And I think joy works a bit the same. You know, if you or I play around in the devil's kitchen and we are entertaining things that we shouldn't, we're doing things, we're involved in things that we know contradicts the word of God, then little by little, your joy begins to evaporate from your life. It doesn't happen instantaneously as in, where's my joy? It was here, where, where, where is it? No, no. Little by little by little, your joy begins to evaporate out of your life. Until one day you come to the point and you think, how did I end up here? How did I end up depressed? How did I end up on medication? How did I end up with anxiety and all these issues? Little by little by little, your joy began to evaporate from your life. You know, many of you would know the story in Scripture of Samson. Samson was called by God. He was set apart. He was anointed by God. And God had given Samson supernatural physical strength. And Samson was meant to serve God. But unfortunately for Samson, he just could not help himself from doing the things that he shouldn't have done. Particularly when it came to women. You know, Samson was that guy. He always had to have some dodgy woman around him. You know, he just, he just couldn't stay away. Couldn't help, him, couldn't help himself. And on one particular occasion, Samson hooks up with a woman called Delilah. And Delilah was bad news. Guys, she was that one your mother warned you about, but you thought you know better. That was Delilah. And Samson's like, ah, oh, Delilah. But she's got a different agenda. She's trying to find a way to hand him over to the Philistines. And on one particular occasion, he's lying with his head on her lap. He's completely zonked out. He's sozzled, drinking too much. And Judges 16.10 says that Delilah cried out, Samson, the Philistines have come to capture you. And when Samson woke, he thought, I'll do as before and I'll shake myself free. And then one of the most scary verses in the Bible. But he didn't realize the Lord had left him. And I think that's how joy works. It slowly evaporates out of our lives the more we entertain sin and the more we do things that we know God has not approved of. You see, church, sin will always rob you of your joy. And you know, the devil is very crafty. He has designed sin to bring a measure of temporary happiness. Think about it. Sin brings happiness to your life. Isn't that true? Because if it didn't, none of us would ever sin. There would never be any enticement to sin. But, but that, that, that's, that's the trap of sin. That's the, the bait, is that it brings a measure of temporary happiness to our lives because it makes us feel better in the moment. But here's the problem, you can write this down, is when we choose temporary happiness, it robs us of lasting joy. When we choose temporary happiness, it robs us of lasting joy. So for example, you, you go into a relationship with someone knowing that it's wrong, knowing that you're doing it wrong, 
uh, knowing that it contradicts the word of God, but, but yet it fills an immediate need in your life. It brings a measure of temporary happiness. Only later do you realize that it robs you of your lasting joy. Or people who go into business deals that are dodgy and they, 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 they make a quick amount of money from it, it brings a temporary happiness. But down the line, it robs you of all your joy. Or people who, you know, smoke weed or sniff cocaine because, oh man, it makes me feel alive. Temporary happiness. But down the line, it's going to rob you of lasting joy. Or people who watch porn online because of the exhilaration it brings. <laughs> It'll rob you of all the joy in your relationships down the line. Or what about even something just like binge eating? You know, you come home from work and it's been a hard Monday. And you open the fridge and like this plague of locusts. Through the fridge, through the cupboards, everything in between. It brings a measure of temporary happiness. You feel better. But two days later, when you get on the scale, all the joy is sucked out of your life. You know, think about David in Scripture. David was a man after God's own heart. David loved the Lord. David served, David served God faithfully. He had wisdom. He had understanding. And yet David committed adultery with Bathsheba. Like, what was he thinking? Why did he do that? Well, clearly, David, you know, I don't know exactly why he did it other than he saw her, she looked good. You know, maybe after all the time he'd served God, David thought that he was entitled to maybe have a bit of nookie on the sideline. You know, I don't know why he justified it, but, 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 but David, David sleeps with Bathsheba. He commits adultery in order to bring some temporary happiness to his life. But what he doesn't realize is that it would rob him of all his joy. David became miserable. That intimacy, that closeness that he had with the Lord began to dissipate. David became emotionally unstable, and his spiritual life began to go into decline because sin will always steal the joy from your life. But repentance gives God the opportunity to restore that joy to us. I want to read you these two passages here, one from Psalm 32 and one from Psalm 51. And these are both the words of David, and both have to do with a lack of joy he experienced because of what he did with Bathsheba. Psalm 32, David says, Oh, what joy for those whose disobedience is forgiven, whose sin is put out of sight. Yes, what joy for those whose record the Lord has cleared of guilt, whose lives are lived in complete honesty. When I refuse to confess my sin, in other words, as long as I entertain the sin, my body wasted away, and I groaned all day long. There's someone who's lost their joy. Psalm 51, 8, David says to God, Oh, give me back my joy again. You have broken me. Now let me rejoice. Don't keep looking at my sins. Remove the stain of my guilt. Create in me a clean heart, O God. Renew a loyal spirit within me. Do not banish me from your presence, and don't take your Holy Spirit from me. Notice again the link between the Holy Spirit and joy in our lives. He says, restore to me the joy of your salvation and make me willing to obey you. You can write this down. Joy is always the fruit of a right relationship with God. It is always the fruit of a right relationship with God. If, if you are here today and if you're, you are not right with God, I guarantee you there is no lasting joy in your life. You may have moments of temporary happiness, but there will be no lasting joy. 
As long as David tried to do things his way, he had no joy. The moment he gave the Holy Spirit control of his life and he confessed and repented of his sin, God began to restore the joy to his life. Now, just as we finish up, I want to just practically illustrate this for you today. If you imagine this container here, this empty container, this is kind of like my life and your life. And as we journey through life, there are, there are things that, that rob us of our joy. You know, they may be disappointments or things that didn't work out the way we thought. Maybe people have said things to us or done things to us. You know, maybe we thought our lives were going to turn out one way, but they turned out another way. All these things, these daily things that take the joy out of our lives. And then on top of that, it's, it's all the sin issues we face. You know, maybe comparison and, and envy and, and, and gossip and, and relationships that are not done right and, and uh, you know, all the, the, the day-to-day things we struggle with, always, you know, desiring what other people have, what we don't have, the conversations we have, all the sins, even the small little sins, the little lies, the little things we take that we shouldn't, all these things that rob the joy of our lives. And, and, and we get to the place in life and we think, How did I end up here? How did I end up with so many issues and so little joy in my life? That's where David got to. That's where many people get to in life. You see, sin will always rob us of our joy, but repentance will allow God to restore that joy again. And what happens is when we come to God with a humble spirit and we begin to confess our sins before him, and we begin to repent of all the things we've done wrong, all of a sudden we, we begin to feel different on the inside. It, it, it's, it's like there's this burden, this weight is lifted from us. There's, there's a refreshing that begins to take place on the inside of us. And the more we then draw near to God and, and we invite His presence into our lives, all of a sudden we find that all these things that robbed us of our joy... All of a sudden, they don't have as much of a hold on us as they used to. And as the presence of God in our lives increases, we find that joy begins to increase on the inside. Our joy levels begin to grow up drastically. And you know what? The reality is that even though we may have a whole lot of joy, there will always still be things in our lives that we have to deal with. But these sins are always only just surface sins. You know, this side of eternity, we will never be completely free from sin. But they don't have to rob us of the joy that God has made available for us through the presence and the power of the Holy Spirit. We hope you have been blessed and inspired by this message. 